give the license to the wingers, especially in a game like Cape Verde, sure. whose defenders are not the greatest themselves, to run at them. So, yeah. you know, it's not a game where you want to draw too many fouls. You know, so Jordan Ayu, yeah, he's good. But this is a game where I'll run the younger players who are fast and going to run at them 90 minutes. So I'll, I'll, I'll play Bukhari. I would, I would, I would prefer Bukhari, you know, ahead. Do you know why I say that? Because no, I just think that first of all, Jordan, you, we haven't really applied him as a proper number nine. Mm -hmm. We've always played him a bit on the wide, mm. and that doesn't help. If he's a striker, he should be at the end of the balls, receiving the end of the balls in the 18 box. He shouldn't be playing from the wide. He's, you know, for God's sake, he's not in Mape. Do you know what I'm saying? And Mape can do that from the wide areas and cut through or through the middle. If Jordan plays as a centre forward, let's keep Jordan as a pivot, as a centre forward, out and up, in the box. Let's have midfielders create chances all around him. We're denied, you know, we're giving Inaki Williams a big disservice. Yeah. The man is not a centre forward. So let's apply, let's give him, you know, let's bring out his values. He plays, you know, Atletico Bilbao, he plays from the wide area or from an attacking position. So that's when he has a full glance of the goalpost and he's able to be more effective. What we're doing to him, we're, we, you know, we're causing him, you know, denying of service. Exactly. Mm, mm, yeah. mm. Of course, this, this show is a very big test for the Black Stars of Ghana. And um, as has been said on several occasions, the best way to start is to pick the three points and just uh, wait. And for, for Ghana as well, it becomes very crucial to keep as many clean sheets as possible. Because just in case, just in case... If uh, in the unlikely instance that things go the way they went in Cameroon, then we may have to rely on, you know, the head-to-heads and that. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why you're smiling. Oh, but, uh, yeah, hope, hopefully we don't get there. I hopefully mean, we don't but, get but there. But Cameroon was, was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. It was bad. I mean, yeah. Cameroon was terrible. And, and it, it, gave, it, gave us, it gave all of us a, a big wake-up call as yeah. well. It did. I think it did. Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, it did. Uh, part of it was also because, you know, transition of players coming into the team. Sometimes you have to mix experience with you know, energy. Yeah. And that's where football is now. And for us as Ghana, we rely on the energy that brings to the team. Because football has become more than athletics than any other, any other sports now. And so if the talent is there, if they can play, let's mix it with some energy as well. That is what can give us what we're looking for. If not, you know, we're going to rely on passing the bubble because modern football demands keeping the shape of the team that requires a lot of energy running back and forth back and forth I don't see that with the Ghana team we lose the ball and we're still caught up in the same hole mm. and uh, there's no tracking back these are basic things, basic the things. I mean, and if we don't do these remember the old Comoro score the first exactly. goal I mean Nathaniel the guy took the ball there just after the center line That's it. he had time to touch the ball one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times Nobody touched him. Nobody came to him. That is unforgivable. Yeah. Unpardonable. Yeah, unpardonable. <laughs> unforgivable, unpardonable. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. it's a bit like you say, it's the basic. Unacceptable, unpardonable, <laughs> unforgivable. You know. <laughs> yeah. Gary, uh, final thoughts. We're going into uh, a whole month of, of intensive football action. Yeah. This time is a 2014 tournament. Well, yeah. Um, Storylines are plenty. There'll be lots of football. And, um, you know... Uh, for Ghana, uh, there'll be a lot of uh, <laughs> worry. There'll be a lot of worry. You know, and Gary looks like a finance minister <laughs> who's been told to explain how the currency would fare in the, in the next, you know. You know, so like, people are worried. People are worried that the Black yeah. Stars are not going to do much because mm -hmm. 
to be fair, they've not given us much to to be confident about. So we'll see how it goes. And yeah, this is their photo shoot from the official CAF. Um, yeah, you know, I, when saw, came. I saw it this morning. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, every team has one, and these are these are our stars. We are parading and. Go Ghana, go! Yeah, I like That's the right. way you know Richard Ofori clapped. You know the sound of his gloves. <laughs> yeah, Kanyo, uh, uh, let's wrap this up now. Uh, expectations for the big weekend. Well, uh, from for Black Stars, if I'm to start from there, you know, I expect the coach is experienced to come to the fore. You know, for these type of games, I expect him also to know his players, yeah. the quality of the players, and use them as such. I expect the team for the first time to start playing from the wide areas. I also expect a little bit of push from the high, you know, the fullbacks as well. Let them double it into the midfield and create some chances. I also expect that the players themselves will believe, you know, about their own horizon. And then hopefully we'll see. And I also expect that you're going to be with us uh, on our various channels throughout the AFCON for all the best analysis and all the best interviews. <laughs> Good afternoon. Welcome to the marketplace. Coming up, IMF board likely to meet on January 18 after bilateral creditors completed work on terms for restructuring of Ghana's debts, more as the IMF acknowledges progress made with the debt restructuring. Between Ghana and the official creditor committee are ongoing. Good progress is being made and we're confident that an agreement can be reached soon. Also coming up, business strategist and lawyer David Ofosudote warns current tax levels and interest rates could collapse some enterprises and hurt the economy. We tend to stabilize the macro by destroying the micro. Interesting. And, yeah. I mean, if you overtax the businesses, you are essentially killing the businesses at the micro level. My name is Daryl Kwao. Thanks for being with us. Details coming up.
And thanks for staying with us. We want to begin with the latest from the IMF. The board is likely to meet on January 18, 2024. That is in about a week's time after the bilateral creditors finalized work on terms for restructuring Ghana's debts. This will now allow the fund to disburse some $600 million to Ghana after the meeting. George Raffi has the latest. The new date on Ghana this time round is expected to happen because all the bilateral creditors, including China, have agreed on the proposed terms for restructuring the country's debts. Joy Business understands that the cutoff date is now pegged at December 2002 for restructuring Ghana's debts. We also understand that unlike the previous dates, the creditors are now about to issue that letter of comfort or what they call memorandum of understanding to the IMF today, or possibly next week. This will give the IMF the needed financing assurance for the staff to go to its board on Ghana. We also understand that the necessary documentations have been sent to the IMF staff for it to send to the board to aid the meeting on Ghana. About $600 million should hit Bank of Ghana's account maximum two days after the IMF board meets on Ghana. The proposed date of January 18. 2024. In time, the IMF has acknowledged Ghana's, uh, the progress Ghana has made with the external debt restructuring. Take a listen to Julie Kozak, who is head of com- the communications department. On Ghana, um, on October 6th of 2023, so just a few months ago, our team reached a staff level agreement with uh, the Ghanaian authorities. Um, to ensure uh, for the uh, first review of the program. And once uh, our executive board uh, completes the review, this would give Ghana access to 600 million U.S. dollars uh, in financing. To ensure timely completion of the reviews, official creditors and the Ghanaian authorities will need to reach agreement on a debt treatment consistent with the objectives of the program and in line with the financing assurances that creditors had provided in May of 2023. Uh, Discussions between Ghana and the official creditor committee are ongoing. Good progress is being made, and we're confident that an agreement can be reached soon so that we can rapidly bring the uh, program uh, to our board. Economist and recent lead at GCB Capital, Courage Booty, joins me on Zoom to discuss the latest. Good afternoon to you, Courage. Your thoughts on the progress made so far? Good afternoon to you, Darrell, and good afternoon to your listeners here. Um, good progress. It's getting home much closer than it was um, a few weeks ago. Um, what is very important is the terms, and then we accepting that term formally and the letter that will follow. It looks like that is a matter of procedure now. Uh, the comfort is that uh, China, France, and the um, official creditor committee, uh, and all, all the official creditors really are aware of what the debt sustainability uh, analysis through are and what adjustments are needed to bring Ghana's debt stock back to sustainability. The target is to get a 55% of GDP uh, in um, present value terms for debt to GDP ratio and bring back um, external debt service to, uh, I think, um, total revenue to about 18% really. So um, that is the contest, that is the caveat, and that is what I think we are working towards. Now, if a proposal is on the table, I believe we're taking cognizance of all of these parameters 
of course, there is that commercial debt to also restructure, and they might probably take a lot more hit. But at this point, we don't have the details of those terms yet. But at least on the face of it, progress is happening. It's refreshing to hear from the IMF spokesperson about the progress. It looks like 18 might happen now. And then we can get the first review of the program out of the way. Uh, the necessary inflows required will come. And there is also a catalytic financing tied to that first review from the World Bank, I believe, about $550 million. Uh, now, a component of that will go into budget financing. The entire $600 million, uh, will go into budget financing. So it should ease the Treasury's financing needs maybe in the interim. And that could even provide scope, given inflation is on the downturn, provide scope for some yield correction on the local market, I mean, uh, in the first quarter and going. So positive news all across, and, and we hope that uh, it turns out to be so on the 18th. Well, right now, like you indicated, we are waiting for formal approval from the government to proceed. Um, I don't anticipate they will reject it, but what considerations would they be making in assessing the term sheet? Well, yes. I mean, they will be assessing it in terms of the overall overarching goal of um, restoring their sustainability to 55% of GDP mm. uh, by 2026 and, and uh, as a 2028, yeah, and of course... Uh, uh, the external debt service to to revenue ratio and all of those. The, the, key, the, the parameters are there. So yeah. they will be looking at it, I believe, in the context of how it satisfies those conditions at the IMF program. Remember, IMF will not just accept a memorandum of understanding, they would accept it to the extent that it helps achieve the targets under the program. And so if it deviates from that, then there will be need for further conversations. But then the expectation is that the official creditor committee, like I said, already aware of these parameters in their deliberations, and so they have considered that carefully in what kind of terms they put across. Our hope is that the term matches what the expectation is. Thankfully, the conversation was a lot around the cutoff point, uh, which government of Ghana says they are even okay with the earlier cutoff point, which is the points the uh, service suspension initiative actually took effect. But from what we are hearing, if there are any, any, there is any truth in it, we are settling for, I think, end December OCC's plan uh, for so no reduction to principal and interest rates overall, but that Ghana would not pay either for the next four years with payments set to resume thereafter. How does that look? Well, that, that will be a four-year moratorium. What we have now is a liquidity challenge, right? We are unable to generate the needed effects or liquidity to, to service the debt, and that is why we are where we are. And so if we are getting a four-year moratorium, just like the uh, voluntary, or if you like, what we did ourselves, suspend external debt service uh, since December uh, 2022 till now, what that has done is to show up our current account position. 
is the reason we've been able to navigate 2023 without much pressure on the city. It's a big part of the reasons. So if you are getting moratorium on external debts, uh, and if, if you like official debt for maybe the next four years, what it does is that the interest savings would help us manage our immediate liquidity conditions. And the hope is that you build buffers against servicing those debt once it kicks in uh, in four years' time, really. So it will be a positive development. Already, uh, interest rates are very low on these bilateral debts. They are very concessional. So I guess there is not so much that can be done about those interest rates. I don't think the official creditors are also going to entertain uh, principal haircuts, really. So it's interesting to read what what concessions they are making for this to happen. Uh, it sounds like a moratorium will be a good bargain. Let's see what the other terms look like. But then a moratorium will be a good starting point uh, in the liquidity management perspective. Hopefully we'll get a bit more information on what the terms are. But how are the markets reacting to this news? Well, it's been positive since um, we got wind of the fact that um, the terms are going to come, I think that was sometime Tuesday. We've seen um, on the euro bond market some um, appreciation in value. We've seen some yields uh, trimming a bit. Um, but then, of course, the country risks are still there. The general sentiment around the euro bonds uh, and what haircuts the euro bond holders are going to receive still there, even if the negotiations are advanced now, and we are mostly not privy to those conversations, really. So, it would a bigger impact to be realized when this whole thing becomes very clear. But as it is now, there is optimism. You could see prices correcting a bit on the market, and that is a good starting point. But it won't be so much a surprise. I mean, you don't see so much appreciation in prices at goal. The terms would have to come out, and if the market is very comfortable with it, that would affect pricing. Mm. So, yeah, it's a gradual process, and, and I believe sentiment will pick up once everything becomes very clear. Yeah, we had Julie Kozak, um, head of the communications department of the IMF, acknowledge the progress made us so far, and we reported on the likelihood of a meeting on January 18, and then hopefully uh, the next tranche of $600 million will be released. It has taken us a while to get here, so how significantly would this package help deal with our economic issues? Well, yes, that, that gives us, I mean, that plus, the 600 million plus, uh, 550 expected to come from the World Bank tied to this gives you at a goal about 1.15 billion. You recently had some 800 million from Cocoa Loan Syndication, mm. so you are getting close to 2 billion in, in hard currency that can go into supporting your reserve. Uh, which has been in a, in a, a very vulnerable state um, since this whole uh, issue started. And that will provide, I believe, the pushing needed for this first quarter where the city could be a bit more stable. And it has been. It opened the year on a, a stable note. These inflows would even pushing it further and will set the basis um, for that stability, even against the seasonality pressures immediately and going into the remaining quarters of the year. So it will be a good note for the city. And the delay in agreeing this deal would prove to be, if you like, a blessing in disguise, all the same, because then it gives us enough inflows, at, at least at this point. That 600 million, I believe, is going into budget financing. About 300 million out of the 550 million from the World Bank is also, also supposed to target budget financing. So you are having in excess of 950 million, almost a billion, going to support the budget. Today's exchange rate, we're talking about 12, there about billion cities. 
that should that is about a quarter's borrowing plan on the T-bill market. So if that happens, it gives the Treasury the lead way to manage T-bill issuances and even try to reduce the interest rates on those issuances on the market. I mean, we've seen a decline now in those T-bill rates, but at a much slower pace. Mm-hmm. Inflation has receded quite significantly, and so that inflow would reduce the appetite for short-term uh, uh, liquidity immediately, which also will give them room to price down T-bills and be able to reduce the interest of rate obligations, really. So uh, it, it sounds like a good boost to start the year with, and we can only build on that. The only concern for us is that we are in an election year. We do not have to uh, appeal some of these inflows. And then if we are able to hold the market confidence going forward, um, the confidence or, if you like, the improvement we all seek on the market would ultimately return. But it's the consistency of the effort and the data proving that we are making such progress that matters to investors at this point and rather than the rhetorics. Plenty more to talk about in the coming days. Thank you so much, Karish Buti, our recently GCP Capital. Happy weekend, my friend. Now, let's move on to other stories. Business strategist and lawyer David Ofosudote is warning that current tax levels and high interest rates regime could collapse some enterprises and hurt the economy. This is coming at a time that government is working to roll out a new set of taxes. Mr. Ofosudote noted that government must review its tax policy going forward. He spoke on PM Express Business Edition. Just said a few minutes ago that we tend to stabilize the macro by destroying the micro. Interesting. And, yeah. I mean, if you overtax the businesses, you are essentially killing the businesses mm-hmm. at the micro level. But you do that. Is, is that the situation? You do think that is a situation that we are, we are we overtaxed? Are taxing? I mean, we are overtaxed. There is no doubt about that. But uh, let me define the we. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where the challenge is. Mm-hmm. The we are those who are paying taxes. The people who are not paying taxes are outside the bracket mm-hmm. are large. And therefore, because it's easier to focus on the former sector who are paying taxes, once you pay tax, then they always come after you with new introductions. But it's of, interesting. I, I had this way back in secondary school. It doesn't change. Over the years, the, the strategy, the, the argument, the works, IMF, you know, the Swiss government, technical support, it appears we have not gotten around the challenge in terms of trying to bring in more persons into the tax bracket. So the same Mr. Dote and uh, David and, and AD and all the rest are the same people paying the taxes. One of the, the biggest opportunities we got was when people were using mobile money. Mm. And I made the statement before that e-levy was a wrong policy. Mm. What we could have done was because a number of people were not having mobile money, using mobile money, one of the ways to have included them is simply to have asked all the telcos to turn every momo into a bank account. It, that is, was a way that you could bring people into the, the bracket. If you don't bring people into the bracket, then those who are already paying pay more. And why do they? Because when we are broke, we go to IMF. The first thing they will tell you, among other things, is that tax-to-GDP ratio is low. And that's why they're yeah. putting pressure yes, on government exactly. to, you are to between, raising more revenue. They're between 15 and 18%, which is below the average in, even on the continent to the people, the, the group we belong. Mm. And therefore, you need to increase your tax-to-GDP ratio. Mm. How do you do that? Mm. You do that by collecting more from those who are already paying. 
So we just heard how the business community feels about um, the high taxes and interest rates and the fear that um, that could collapse enterprises. Well, the taxes are really coming and businesses need to brace for that and plan and perhaps rework their budget. Well, to help us do that is Dennis Brown, uh, Senior Manager, uh, Financial Advisor, Lloyd Garner. Uh, happy you're back in the studio with us to talk about uh, budgeting because we started that conversation yesterday on a personal note and so we're going to talk about corporate budgeting i want you to first of all draw the distinction between uh, personal budgeting and corporate budgeting yeah thanks daryl uh, and thanks for uh, for your viewers for tuning in too um, corporate budgets are typically more sophisticated than you know personal budgets okay. i did mention uh, yesterday that in the simplest form a budget simply estimates income and expenses and i also added that that is what is more applicable to most individuals. For corporate, it's a, it's, it's a standard that it goes beyond that. You would have to also, you know, carve it out to estimate assets, liabilities, uh, net worth, and cash flows. And it's a very standard part of, you know, business management. And in fact, for corporate budgets, you, you, corporate budgets are more detailed compared to the personal budgets. In fact, for corporate budgets, the more detailed they are, the more effective they are because a detailed budget then provides opportunity for everyone that is supposed to contribute to the budget to identify their space in the budget and to understand and appreciate the contribution required of them. Yeah. All right. So um, walk us through the requirements for putting together um, a corporate budget. What are some of the considerations to make? Okay. Some of the considerations are similar to what we discussed yesterday. One looking at the environment in which the business finds itself. You have to be cognizant of the macroeconomic environment. You have to be cognizant of what is going on in your, your specific industry. And you have to understand how these things impact you as a business. You also, of course, as a business, typically you may be in the know or you should be in the know of your financial situation. What, what are your income sources? What are the mandatory expenses that you have to you know, make? What are the contractual arrangements that you have that have thrown liabilities at you? What are the assets that you have acquired you know, over the time? Are you able to leverage those assets to take advantage of opportunities in the market as you know, uh, they, fall, they, fall, they, fall, they fall out? So these are things you need to uh, be aware of and be able to relate to your uh, current situation. And based on that, then you'll be able to set uh, the goals for the budget. Typically, for corporates, the budgets are set for a 12-month period, but they are normally linked to a longer-term vision or goal. You know, so the more effective organizations will have like a five-year uh, vision or a 10-year plan. And so the budgets do come in as baby steps you know, uh, uh, towards achieving that bigger goal. Every year, you build on it. That's how corporates you know, set up their budgets. And so this is the process that they go through. And typically corporates or the more effective ones prefer for their budgets to be detailed, broken down at departmental levels, and further then be broken down into teams and sub-teams, and all the way to individuals, so that everyone identifies their role mm. in achieving the budget. I mean, I mean you talk about uh, the fact that the corporate budget is more complicated than the personal one. What makes it complicated? I mean, what, just give it an idea of what the structure is like. Yeah, so if you take a corporate organization, right, uh, businesses, if you take a, a typical business, it's a composition of many parts that are, that, let me say, are carefully woven and expected to work together to achieve a common goal. Mm -hmm. taking, making, taking decisions in a corporate structure, is, you know, it, it's far more complicated than, you know, as a person, where you just get up in the morning, you had some dream and you say, you know, this is, I want to drive a Benz. 
it goes far uh, more than that. So, you know, you can understand the complexities with a business, and that translates into the budgeting process. It means you would have uh, so many stakeholders within the organizations to get their buy-in and to get their commitment to the budget. And you need to carry all of these people along. In fact, the more effective companies try to bring everyone in the firm along because everyone plays one role or the other. And so, you know, going through that process alone, you can see it's far more complicated than drawing up a personal budget. Uh, next, I want us to talk about the importance of uh, creating a corporate budget. I don't know how a company can live without a budget, but <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't think it's uh, too different from a personal, personal budget in terms of done. the importance. Yes. Uh, but I, I just want to ask this uh, based on our current economic situation yes. and the fact that you know, we're just talking about high taxes, you're talking mm -hmm. about interest rates and all of that. Mm -hmm. How helpful is it for businesses? Yeah, it's very helpful for businesses to buy. In fact, the, the, the budget is more like a planning tool. You know, it's, it's a planning tool. And every business must plan, more so when we are in, in an austere environment. Mm. We are talking about taxes. There are ways. All, all our tax laws have, uh, let me say, loopholes. And, you know, depending on the way you organize yourself, you might be able to um, avoid setting taxes. Tax avoidance is legal. Tax evasion is not. And it all depends on the way you organize yourself. So if you factor all of this into your plans, you may be able to minimize some of the tax exposures that, you know, will hit you. And so, you know, you can use a budget to achieve some of these things. In an austere economy, it, it's even more critical to budget because um, if you make a little mistake, the consequences will be dire. You know, the market is not stable. Um, in that kind of market that is susceptible to external shocks, we could be on a stable path. But one, you know, externality and hit us and, you know, we'll go off track again and we'll see inflation skyrocketing again and you would have made investments and it would be difficult to, you know, uh, recoup the kind of returns you want. So it's even more critical that as a business you take your budgeting process serious in an austere economy. Well, I, I get the sense that most businesses will start uh, planning their budget perhaps in the, in the middle of the year, last quarter of the year, um, as, as, as they uh, approach the end of the year. And so I, I'm just wondering... How do you make space for unforeseen circumstances like the taxes, um, currency uh, volatility, inflation, stuff like that? Yeah, of course. Um, it, this is all down to the business's ability to predict what will happen in the future. And no one gets 100%. You know, um, of course, there are various ways of predicting what might happen. Some rely on historical predict. data. Yeah, I mean, you know, some relies on historical data, which is good because then you can track a certain trend and be able to foresee that, well, this thing is looking like it's heading in this direction. So mm. I need to take account of it. So planning for unforeseen circumstances, you're not likely to get it, you know, 100%, but you, are, you're, you will be able, if you plan, to minimize some of those exposures. And like I'm saying, looking at your environment is the first step. The environment is so important because you as a business, as a single business, have you know, no or less, very, very little control of what happens in the market. And therefore, you can only process the information out there to see how you can you know, block certain you know, uh, uh, paths to exposing you to what may happen out there in the market. And that's why it's very important to look at the market in which you're operating and the larger macroeconomy when planning. Prediction, very important. And so um, how often do you also have to review your budget? I mean, periodically, how often? Yeah, I mean, uh, typically what you see in corporate setups are monthly and quarterly reviews. In fact, the more regular uh, you are able to review your budget, the better, because then it gives you that flexibility. 
especially in an austere economy, um, the, the environment is not that stable. So it's very important you don't assume that that 15% average infl inflation rate that you expect to play out over the year will carry on till the end of the year. There may be, you know, uh, changes and they may be significant. So it's important that you're always reviewing your budget. And you don't just review your budget, you review it within the context of the environment in which you are in so that if something has to change in your budget, you quickly, uh, you know, gather around and change. If you don't do that, you might end up with a situation where you are, you know, wasting resources. You know, I can, I can give you a certain analogy. If you expect to, you know, uh, jump twice the height of where we are sitting without taking time to see that there's a barricade, you may then invest in, you know, maybe you need energy drinks to jump. You may take three energy drinks and you still won't get to that height. When one energy drink could have taken you to that height, you have to look at the market and see that there's this barricade. No matter how much I invest, I won't be able to go beyond this so that I'll invest just about the amount of resources that I need to achieve what the market will allow me to. If you don't look at that, you will then invest, you know, too much resources for just little returns out of the market. Right. And that's not... And, and, and again, how do you monitor? Because like you point out, there are different components that work, different mm -hmm. departments with their budgets mm -hmm. and all of that. How do you uh, monitor to ensure you're in sync and you're headed the right direction? Yeah, it, it lies in what I indicated previously that a budget is set for the business and it is then broken down at departmental level down to teams. So there are people that have responsibilities for certain segments, you know, all components of the budget. So head of department is in charge of that department uh, budget and would have normally have the free hand to then decide how they break it further down across the department who contributes what and those people then will have responsibilities and at every point in time when the budget is being reviewed it will also be reviewed at that level. Team leads will meet with their team members to see how they are doing at the budget and report to head of department. Head of department will also look at it and then, you know, carry the information. 30, so. 30 seconds, what mistakes uh, do you often uh, come across and how, how do you rectify it? Good. Uh, there are a few of them. The first one that comes to mind is for businesses to go on a wild cost-cutting, you know, rant. That, you know, can be very dangerous. You may end up going to cut calls for expenditures that are actually supposed to help the business through these very tough times. Mm. And I can see that you could end up cutting yourself out of the market. Instead, what you should do is to resort to cost optimization. Okay. Conducting reviews to identify how for each unit of CD or dollar you invest in the business, you can increase the returns on it. And also to diversify your income sources rather than just focusing on cost. Like assets that I have, how can I leverage them right. to increase my earnings? After sales service, maybe you're not doing it. You're just doing the sales. Things like that. Thank you, Dennis. We've got to go and be bailed out. Thank you. <laughs> uh, morning is on our website, myjoinline.com forward slash business. Uh, my name is Daryl Powell. Thanks for watching. Enjoy your weekend. was missing until I found the one. HD Plus is not your regular free-to-air decoder. For a small fee, you get to experience great services and exciting world of content. Dial star 879 hash on your mobile phone and subscribe for as low as 290 CDs. This one is different. The images are five times clearer in HD picture quality and I'm loving the feely-feely experience. Mm.
<laughs> HD Plus. I love you. But I'm still here. <laughs> HD Plus. For better. For less. That's right. Get your HD Plus decoder from any Electroland outlet or our dealer shops. Happy Shabbat!